Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Miles Lacey. Hello, I'm Amy Sh- No, Haynes. You don't know Sorry, your Sorry, I know. I was, Sorry, Will. I, I, was, I was like so used to saying Amy Haynes and I've, I was going to swear then. I've balls it up. And I'm John Marker and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast. The Driven Chat Podcast. Powered by Paramex Digital. Hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast, where this week we are talking about lots of things. And you'll be pleased to know, dear listener, I'm going to try and make this one less chaotic than the last time myself, Amy and Miles were sat in a studio together, which, to be honest, feedback-wise, didn't go down too badly, but I just thought it was chaotic. So I've written out a schedule, we've all got a physical piece of paper, and this week on the podcast we are talking about... Me being a little bit disappointed by the Lotus Amira, but suitably impressed with the Dacia Sandero. Amy has been photographing a £1 million Mercedes 300SL. Miles's E39 BMW M5 is back on the road. Very exciting. Amy has been photographing cars for 10 years this ten week. Years. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Um, I've done something daft and gone green laning on a £14,000 Ducati press bike. Miles has strapped himself to a robot. I did. Have I read that correctly? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. That's the one I'm looking forward to chatting about most. Yeah. I'm so confused. Mm. Um, Amy's put a motorcycle in her kitchen. As everybody should. As everybody should. I would if I could, but I can't. Uh, Miles, you've been mucking about with some MGFs at Alton Park. Yeah. Yeah. Club level racing, baby. Cool. Looking forward to talking about that. Um, we're then going to be talking about some adventures we've got coming up. I'm off to Italy. Amy's off to France. Miles is off to Australia. And then... 
before we pack things in, we've got some actual listeners' lesson, lessons? Lessons. Maybe we, some lessons. We, what letters. do they teach us? What do they want to know? <laughs> yeah. We teach them. <laughs> listeners' letters, questions and talking topics. This is quite a good one. I basically put a shout out on our social feed a couple of days before we recorded this saying, what would you like us to talk about? And we've had some, so we'll talk about those. Welcome to this week's podcast. Enjoy. The Driven Chat Podcast. I'm going to start this week's podcast, if you both don't mind, uh, with an appeal. Mm. And it's, uh, it's, it's... Hungry children in Africa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah d- stray dogs, donkeys. That's, uh, no, it's actually a revi- uh, a, a, an appeal for us and the, uh, the chart system in which we operate, sit in. It shouldn't matter, but for some reason it does. Now, we often ask at the end of every episode, if you've enjoyed the episodes, you're enjoying what you're listening to, if you are feeling especially kind, then you can leave us a five-star rating and leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, because it does genuinely make a difference. But I do appreciate by mentioning it at the end of the episodes, um, naturally people dwindle. So often the, they either don't get heard or people will go, oh, I'll do that in a minute, and then they forget. But I wanted to mention it this week because... We do occasionally get some really wonderful, beautiful reviews, and we love every single one of them. Um, but if you are somebody that has been thinking for a while, oh, I must remember to do that and, and put a nice review on, please can I ask that you do. And the only reason I'm asking specifically early on this week is because for some strange reason, we as a podcast category keep getting recategorized into the wrong category of subject. Um, so we are leisure and then subcategory automotive. But for whatever reason, something is happening. There is some sort of gremlin in the system that keeps moving us to travel. Which We do, we do travel. We do travel. Lot. But I worry that perhaps if people are looking for a travel podcast, which believe me, I'd be happy to host a travel podcast because if it, ena- if it enabled me to travel even more than I do, that'd be great. Um, just to talk about them like we do with cars really drive cars and talk about them i want to travel and talk about it but we're not a travel podcast we're a car podcast so um if you are able to just pop a couple of nice words into wherever you're listening and just go yeah i really like this podcast these guys are great that's more than a couple just put nice one Nice, 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 nice thumbs up emoji. Um, It really does do amazing things. And bear in mind, we we still don't do, we may do, but we don't at the moment. We don't do the whole patron thing. Everything we're doing, we're doing, you know, as funded by ourselves. So um, we, yeah, we're not asking you to kind of give us a couple of quid a month or anything like that. Just a nice review. If that's the only thing you do to thank us for the output that we're making, that's all we ask for for now. We may end up doing the patron thing further down the line. But for now, it's still free. And it will always be free. If you don't want to pay for it, you don't have to. So, yeah, that's it, really. If anyone would like to leave us a nice review, please do. Please say nice words. Nice words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Only the nice reviews, please. Thanks. Oh, yeah, we're, we're very lucky. We don't tend to get negative reviews. Yeah, I'm all right with a bit of negative review because then you can think to yourself, okay, do I agree with you? Yes, no. If I do agree with you, then I can improve. If I don't, well, you're a plonker. <laughs> and that is the most profanity you will hear come out of <laughs> Amy's mouth ever. What's funny is that I do tone down the profanity because I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast. And so <laughs> mm. yeah. no. I have to say things are rubbish instead rubbish. <laughs> yeah the minute the uh, the minute the button goes off on the podcast recording device <laughs> Honestly, the air is blue it is blue in fact sometimes i'm embarrassed by yeah. it mm-hmm. you have to just close your eyes and put your fingers in your ears effing and jeffing and oh it's <laughs> terrible it's terrible oh, i was crying last time sticks. Yeah. <laughs> um right what have we all been up to um I'm going to go I'm going to start with you Amy because I'm going to guess you've been doing some photographs. 
That Some is your profession, isn't it? photographs have been taken, yep. What have you been photographing? I've been photographing all sorts, so it's been quite a busy few weeks. Uh, one of the fun things I did was an all-female motorcycle festival called Camp VC, which uh, was fun, mad. Um, if you've ever, if you want to see, ever see like proper chaos, just get all girls together singing karaoke badly and everyone dancing to bad singing of karaoke. It's fantastic. It's the most open, welcoming, non-judgmental place that girls feel safe. Is so, it just karaoke? Or? Uh, you know what? I, d- I think there was a DJ in the end, but the karaoke was such a hit they did it for both nights because Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What did you sing at the karaoke? I was very busy taking pictures. Uh, but since then, I have on, been driving. You know when you're driving around, you're thinking, what would I... If I, if I, was, if I needed to belt one out. If I, what would I be belting? Mm. Because also, you've got to play the crowd a little bit. I can't just do like some nice like ballad. Yeah. You've got to, you think, I've got, to, I've got to impress this audience now. They're looking for a good dance. Mm-hmm. What would yeah. you do? I think I'd do Taylor Swift Shake It Off. Nice. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Bit of Tay-Tay. Bit of Tay-Tay. <laughs> I, I feel that. I yeah. feel that. What would you do, Miles? Oh, I don't know. I'd probably go, um, oh, what, what? maybe a bit of Simply Red. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe a bit of Simply Red. Yeah, no, I like that. Buble, maybe. <laughs> Cool. John Marker. Uh, I only have one karaoke hit, and that's uh, Duality by Slipknot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's a great yeah, no, so sing along ballad. You can, yeah, and in your, I call it karaoke. Karaoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to Bentley, hung out with them for a couple of days, which was really good fun. Was that with Mulliner? It was with Mulliner. So, they got um, some new comfy seats or something. Lots of new comfy seats mm. and things. Um, I don't know if I can talk about things if they don't know things have been released yet, but some new things. New so things. So that was nice. Nice. Um, and then what else to do? Cars in the Rain. Yeah, I did a, a photo shoot with a collection of about 15 cars. Or the majority of them are classic Astons. There was a nice Alpha and some Ferraris, a Mini. Um, but it was chucking it down the rain all day. Mm. Usually this would be a really bad kind of photo shoot thing but the guy was like no no, no don't worry because because people were saying you know do you want us to wash all the wipe all the the raindrops off and clean the cars and he was like no 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 leave it as it is because i want all the pictures to be in black and white anyway and um, i was like oh so i was I, I think i did remember somewhere in the depths of my brain i thought oh yeah you have said this to me but um i forgot until that moment he said and then i was like oh yeah all black and white so it was a nice beautiful artistic rainy Aston Martin Oof. shoot. So I nice. will be posting some of those photographs, Love that. I think. I'm going to have to ask him first. But yeah, I'd like to post some of those photographs. And I think they'll be very nice. But they're the nice kind of, you know, things you imagine as a big print on your wall, mm. that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it, should be, it should be some nice stuff. Was it, was it a challenging shoot? Um, I'm really glad that I bought a waterproof coat with me. Ah, it was okay. one of those like last minute, like, it looks a bit dodgy. I'll, I'll, I'll grab my coat. And anyway... It was, you know, when when your your jeans stick to your legs because they're yeah. so wet. Mm. It was one of those kind of shoots. But I was just on a ladder all day with cups of tea. That was basically it. just up and down a ladder all the time. From so finished. is this for Aston Martin or? No, this for a private collector who sent me a message a long time ago saying, "Hello, I have fifteen cars. Can you please do a photo shoot?" And one of the most slight problems with not problems, but I, I had to ring him. I say, "Hey, I want I want to manage your expectations here because he mm. wanted a, a shot with all of the cars in one shot." So if you think that about, is difficult, actually, yeah. isn't it? if you think 15, about fifteen, did you say it was? It was meant to be thirteen. Uh, you know, what? I think it was thirteen. That it ended up bringing one more, so it ended up being fourteen cars. Blimey. So it was still a lot of cars. And so I sent a message to um, a lovely chap called David Lillywhite, who is the um, he founder, one of the founders of Octane Magazine mm-hmm. and now Magneto Magazine. And I said, 
David. What, we how? podcasted with him. We did podcast we with did. him. Exactly. Very nice man. Mm. I, so I sent him a message saying, how long would you give for this shot to be set up? Because I'm, I'm, I want to say to this guy, because he wants not just one shot of everything, but he wants all the cars photographed individually on a number of group shots. And I, and I was like, I think this is a lot to fit in one day. That's he's a big like, shoot. Yes, a big shoot. And he was like, I'd probably give that one shot at least half a day mm. and I was like yeah so I rang so that, anyway I was a bit concerned so I thought, thought I'm not not too sure how much we're going to be able to fit in this day but Travon Best was really quick the guys that I was working with are, um, Iris Williams that's who I'm, I'm getting eyes panels about on to Iris say Williams. that yeah Iris Williams are fantastic we should do a podcast with them they're most amazing they are like the world's best Aston Martin restorers I'm going to write this down fantastic notes for later yes notes for later um, and anyway, they were like, we've got a massive driveway. It'll be fine. And so it was fine. But there we are. Hey. <laughs> that's, that's what I've been up to. I've, I've often I often thought that because, you know, when you see those like group shots and stuff in magazines. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. You think how it's hard enough getting one car to look good. How mm-hmm. do you get more than five to look good? The, and how do you prioritize like what car goes at the front? What car goes at I the back? I left that to the owner because I was like, what do you like? And yeah. he had like two modern cars, which were definitely at the back, um, mm. which were nice enough. But they were also, from a from a physical point of view, you know, he had a um, a DBX, DBX, DBS, DBS, the big the big yeah. SUV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I just thought that's the highest, biggest car. You yeah. can see it from the furthest away. Put that at the back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, which was fine. And at the front was a beautiful Zagato bodied um, uh, Aston Martin. Oh. What is it? Uh, DB4, oh, yeah. yeah, one of the most beautiful cars ever. Yeah, made. beautiful, yeah. really. And it was like a dark, like really dark, metallic, olivey green. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It was very, very Perfect. beautiful. So, obviously, it was at the front of, of all, of the, all of the shots. Yeah. Um, you know what? Actually, I think the mini, he liked the mini being at the front as well. So, I had a little oh. plastic mini at the, le- the lead of some of them. Love there it. Sorry, Miles, what have you been up to? I was going to chat away. No, 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 I, I, I just find that quite interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I've got a note here that says MGFs at Alton Park. What does that mean? I, well, yeah, I just when you're asking, you know, what have we been up to, I thought I'd just throw that in because, um, you know, where motorsport's concerned, we often, well, I often talk about this, a certain level and it's mm. like, as we've said before, prohibitively expensive. Um, but I had a client recently who uh, is... He's literally just got his race license and it would be his first ever race. And I was looking around like, well, what what can you do? And a friend of mine's just bought five or six of these MGFs that race in this MG championship. And yes, it's still, you know, it's still a bit of money. Mm. But in terms of like motorsport context, really, really cheap. So you can turn up basically do an arrive. You can buy the car. If you wanted to buy a car, you buy a car for like £4,000. Or you can just do an arrive and drive. Prepped. Yeah, as in a race car built. Or you can turn up and do an arrive and drive, essentially, and turn up with your helmet and your race suit, and somebody runs it for you. And, you know, you're talking about 1,500 quid for the weekend. And I thought, that's "That's actually not too bad. In terms of race chat, that's not bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like you say, still 1,500 quid. But, I mean, we're we're prepping the the Mark 1 at the minute for Goodwood Revival. And then would you've got, like... The, the cost of your, your mechanics and your, your actual car, your, your fuel, your insurance, if you mm. want insurance, some people don't insure, um, and then your what accommodation, et cetera, et cetera. It's suddenly you're getting into... Oh, my into God, yeah, like 20 grand, easy. E- easily, yeah. easily. So it yeah, soon so adds up. Suddenly, when you're thinking one and a half grand for a fun weekend, you think, yes. Yeah, I, I thought that's that's brilliant. And they, you know, they got, they got a decent amount of track time because it was like a, a you know, it's a very novice level thing. Mm. Even if you were somewhere back in the grid, somewhere you've still got somebody to race car if you bend one you know not the end of the world kind of thing 
I just thought it was quite a nice way into racing, if you fancied yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I love... I, I wish there were more. I'm sure that maybe there are, actually. Maybe the listener can let me know if I'm uh, ignorant to this. But I kind of do wish there were a few more entry-level, like more affordable versions of motorsport. Because, yeah, as you say, usually anything that seems remotely cheap is you end up spending, like, minimum five, six grand a weekend. And then if if something goes wrong with the car, it's like, oh, well, that's going to set us back another... Exactly. Is car... I've never done, looked into karting. Is karting mm. much cheaper or not really? Because I can't Ka- imagine... Karting, it in some ways, is more expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. If, if at a certain level, you know, again, you've got people that are spending well over £100,000 a season on yeah. on karting and, you know... That's a lot of money. It's a, it lot, is, it's yeah. a lot of money. I suppose they're doing it because it's, it's like a career move, isn't it? They want to yeah. progress into... So it's a totally different thing. But, you know, if we're talking about people that actually just want to go and do it and have a bit of fun, yeah. um, the, this sort of thing's available. I thought it was a great little championship. Um, but as it ha- So we're going to do one of those later in the year. But as it happens, this weekend, uh, the, my client... He's got his first ever race, and it's going to be at Silverstone this weekend. Oh, nice. In a BMW 116i. And that championship, again, similar thing, similar sort of money. Cars, not super expensive. But they have 40 entries pretty much every weekend Wow! when they run out. And that's pretty unheard of now in terms Mm. of racing, isn't it? When do you get 40-odd cars on a grid, unless it's like a VLN or something like that? Um, So, again... Club level thing, you know, no pressure. Even if you're at the back of the grid, you've probably got someone to have a ding dong with. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely quite like excited for this weekend to see how he gets cool. on. Nice. Well, good luck to him. Yes. Good luck to him. I'm guessing by this weekend, you mean the weekend that's just gone for us. Correct. Okay, so, so. I hope he did well. <laughs> I hope he did well. Yes, this, this is that weird uh, yeah, yeah, the world of show business thing. Mm-hmm. Time travel. Yeah. Um, oh, mega. So excited by that. Yeah. Your E39 BMW M5 is back on the road. It is. That's exciting. It's a, yeah, so so I've had the car for five, I can't believe it, just over five years now. Um, but I would say for the last 18 months, it's really not, I've not done anything, not really turned a wheel for no particular reason. It's just one of those things. Um, so I thought, no, it's not looking particularly good because it sits on the drive, which is, oh, you know, no. sacrilege. Yeah. Cobwebs um, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not doing it any favours. So a friend of mine in the village where I live, I said, can you just sort it out you know just yeah. I, not a, not a detail as such mm-hmm. but just bring it back to life kind of thing um and remarkably it looked pretty good but also he 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 made rightly so made a video for his instagram <laughs> stuff <laughs> of a before and after oh no and i saw the befores and i was like that is appalling. Was it like a did, barn find? Yeah. Did you like untag yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, did you just blur out the number? If plate, I ever please. want to sell this car, kind of thing. Oh no. It was yeah. It was appalling. I thought I can't. I can't do that again. So mm. anyway, it comes back from him after like a day and a half. It looks a lot better than it did. Uh, banged it in for an MOT. Passed first time. Hey. A legitimate <laughs> MOT. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. one of the ones where you leave like twenty quid under there. Some <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah. that doesn't that happen. Obviously, that doesn't happen. happen. No, no, no. Just so that everyone's aware. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I, I was I was pleasantly surprised actually. And That's the guy great. went, "Yeah, it's all right. This isn't it. You know, it's it's pretty good condition. It's Not like, bad for a ropey old BMW. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's twenty three years old now, so it's no spring yeah. chicken. Yeah. Um, so I've been using it the last few days. Yay! Did been... you drive it here? No, oh. I'm not rich. <laughs> <laughs> You did say it's been a quiet month on the work front. It's been, yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a quiet month, and it would probably cost 
a whole tank of fuel to get here yeah. and back. Yeah, they are pretty, yeah, they are pretty scary, aren't they? On these, I um, so I, as you know, I have a real love for E39 M5s, and uh, a good friend of mine, Ben, had one for a good few years. And unfortunately, we used to live, we both used to live in the same village, which had a a big apartment block and a big underground car park. We used to keep our cars in the underground car park. And there was this precarious event that would happen once a week where the the bin men would come, take the wheelie bins that were also stored in the underground car park and pull them up the ramp to get to the bin lorry that's outside, which, of course, was quite a risky thing because they'd use this little, like, farm track thing to pull the bins up. But they were essentially hooked together with cable ties and an old coat hanger and some luck. And um, inevitably, occasionally, one of the wheelie bins would detach and roll down the, the slate, uh, which happened. And one of them went directly into the side of my friend Ben's oh, E39 no. M5. So we were all like, oh, no, really sad. But, of course, the uh, rubbish people were like, look, we'll sort it. Don't worry. You know, Go and get it. Go and get the quotes done from the body shops, whatever, and we'll, we'll make sure it's rectified. And he took his E39 M5 to... The local, I won't call them out, but the, they are a BMW dealership based in the West Midlands. Mm. That's all I'll say. Um, and uh, it took it there and said, look, I'd, I'd rather it be done by a BMW approved workshop than taking it to a backstreet garage kind of thing. And the girl on the, um, uh, the reception desk was like, yeah, we'll book it in and like had a look at it. And then she, uh, before the car even, no, the car did turn up and they'd had a look around it. And she said, oh, yeah, we've we've had a look. And... To be honest, I think, you know, it's it's just an old five series now. It's probably best if you just write it off. What? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Oh, could you imagine hearing what? that? How tone deaf can you be? Yeah, Ben was like, I don't know. I, I don't want to be that guy, but this is quite a special car. She's like, yeah, no, I mean, we don't really tend to see five series of this age anymore. So they, they mostly just get written off. Like, firstly, stop calling it a five series. <laughs> and secondly, come on. Yeah. That's a yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think people have to, sadly, yes, people have to know what it is. It isn't because otherwise they just go, "Oh, it's a twenty-year-old BMW." That oh, is. Oh yes, more granddad had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's at the bottom of the sea now. Um, yeah. I just uh, watched Peaky Blinders. You brought that back now. <laughs> oh, because of that blindingly perfect Birmingham accent that yeah. I've. Uh, yeah, sorry developed. to everyone in Birmingham that we've yeah. just defended. <laughs> Just apologise to everyone at the beginning of every episode, and then it just cancels everything out. Um, yeah, so that's great. Congratulations, Thank E39, you. back on the road. Yeah, it's been skidding around. It's. Uh... Have you still got tyres that are too grippy for it? Well, actually, here's, oh. here's a bit of use, <laughs> odd consumer advice. So oh. yes, it had tyres on it that were too grippy, but they're now so old ah. that they're not. <laughs> They've been through the heat cycles of summer. Yeah. <laughs> so... Actually, when I pulled out the bottom of my road and it and it was still it was still um, spinning the wheels in third, I thought, all right, uh-huh. okay, I think we're getting somewhere now. It's <laughs> yeah. just I just need to buy set buy sets of tyres that are too old. Leave them then, out in the sun. Uh, yeah. Sun ripened tyres. <laughs> Ripen at home. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Aged by the atmosphere. Self ripened Michelin pilot sport force. <laughs> Perfect. John Marco, what have you been up to? Well, I've been up to something quite interesting, uh, which is um, being a motoring journalist. And I've had quite a busy back-to-back. In fact, I'm trying to think back. When we last recorded all together, which was the beginning of July? No, it was not that long ago. July or... Oh, hang on. Like three weeks ago. Was it? Yeah. Was it only three weeks ago? Yeah, I was going to say, when you oh, said what things blimey. have you been up to, I had a look and I thought, well, not much since, oh, we, God, since I, we last saw same it. Here. I thought it was about a month or so. Anyway, um, yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think. I'd collected 
So I think that week I'd just given back, no, that day I'd given back the Honda Civic Type R, mm-hmm. FL5. That had gone back. Incredible. Still think it's incredible. YouTube video available to watch right now. Go and find it. Uh, I'll remind you of that at the end. I'd also just collected the Ducati Desert X. You had. That was quite exciting. Um, very incredible. And then that went back, and then I got the Lotus Emira first edition. And then I got a Dacia Sandero, which I still have. It's still in the car park right now, but it's being collected any minute now. And in fact, if I have to go, oh, my phone's ringing throughout this episode, uh, which may happen, that'll be the Dacia press office who have come to pick up the car. It'll be a sad day. It will be a sad day. <laughs> It'll be a day. sad day because from what I understand, it's, it's quite the... Uh, Quite the machine. I tell you what, Miles Lacey, it is quite the machine. I've been very impressed with the Dacia Sandero. It is currently the third cheapest car you can buy in the UK. But I'm actually going to promote it and say it's the second cheapest because the first cheapest is that little Citroen Ami thing, which isn't really oh, yeah. a car. Oh, yeah. The little electric thing. The one that the one that was infamously rolled in Yes, Monaco. yeah. <laughs> Quite easy to put on their roof, providing you're going downhill towards a hairpin Flat in front out. of a hotel. Flat <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, it is at, I think the, I've written it down somewhere and I've not put my little notepad in, but it's, I think, 13795 is the entry price, which, again... To me, if you'd said, what's the cheapest car you can buy? I still think it must be about £7,000. But those <laughs> those years have gone now, haven't they? Well, I remember probably one of the best uh, car adverts I think I've ever witnessed. Do you remember when the Kia Picanto came out? And the whole... <laughs> I don't think I've banked it on my me- no, automotive memory. The only, yeah, the so, only, go on, so you finish your story. No, first, go on, go on. I was just about to say, the only, the only old car advert I properly remember is that... Um, Peugeot advert where it's the guy in India that's like hammered it. Oh, like, the, the horse. 206. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. When he's got the elephant to that's sit right. on. Yeah, elephant, that's it. Elephant. Yeah, that's yeah. the only automotive advert that actually sticks in my mind. That is a great that's advert. That's a fantastic yeah. advert. For me, it's like obviously Calgon. Uh, this is yeah. <laughs> Calgon advert. This <laughs> that sticks in my head. Um, Safe Star UK windows. You know, because <laughs> yeah. they, they, they just shout at you for thirty seconds. Yep. Um, and this advert, because I thought their marketing was brilliant, because they said. The whole ploy was, this is a very, very cheap car, and it was about, I think it was less than £7,000 at the time. Yeah. But guess, and the whole thing was, guess what, ladies? It's got four doors, which means when you want to take your friends out and all that kind of thing, you don't have to do the thing where you roll the seat forwards and climb in the back. They can just get straight in the back. And it was like, that's what their whole sort of mantra <laughs> oh, was around this advert. They but have I doors. Just, I just thought it was brilliant. Wow. Uh, but, it, but basically... <laughs> basically what they were quietly promoting was that it had got doors doors yeah <laughs> now with doors now this car yeah. has got doors yeah well the Dacia Sandero has four doors does it mm. I mean you can get all your mates in the back get they don't have mates. to clamber over ladies you don't need ladies. to put your front seat down anymore yeah <laughs> and again like yeah that, that, to your point it was it's, it's probably not aged so well because now people would be like oh what do you mean they're just yeah. aiming this at ladies kind of thing exactly yeah you sexist sexist pig yeah um, yes. What, what so, did you like about it then? Because about to me, the I've just, yeah, because I've just had a look at a picture of it because it's, oh, yeah. it's one of these well, cars that kind of just one for real in a car. I know. I didn't. It just it about... didn't stand out when I got out the car. It didn't stand Weird. out. I know, right? Um, <laughs> so I would personally, as a cari person, mm. would not think to myself, "Hey, I'm going to go and buy a new car." Mm. You know what? That Dacia Sandero looks pretty good. No, you're absolutely right. So sell it to me. It's fantastically affordable. That's the strap line that Dacia <laughs> That's uses. like saying it has doors. It has doors, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It costs um, money. Well, it's an interesting one because and uh, I've titled this week's podcast Lotus Amira versus Dacia Sandero, which I appreciate is a bit of a headline grab because, of course, there isn't much of a comparison. 
or is there? Because it is quite interesting. It's been it, it's been interesting. I've wanted to book in the Dacia for some time from a journalistic review point of view as one of the cheaper cars that you can buy in the UK. Yeah. And because I wanted to basically find out is if there is a necessity to go out and spend an awful lot of money on a car because cars are so expensive right now. Like if you want to go and buy a fairly boring normal 3 series BMW right now, we're looking at like high 20s early 30s yeah. for one of those. If you want the M3 version it's like 90 grand. It's yeah. just it's it is insanely expensive everything. So at 13 to 14 grand, I think the one as tested is like 15 because it has some options. Um, but I wanted to see is there such a thing as a bad car anymore? The answer is no, there isn't. And also, I wanted to appease the kind of non-motoring friends and family members I have that go, I just want to buy a car. It needs to be new, and I want it to be affordable. Mm. What should I get? And I wanted that answer to be, just go and get a Dacia, because mm. they are great. And I'm pleased to report that uh, that's exactly what I'll be saying, because it is just a very good, ordinary car. And Would I've you been... go and buy one? No, I wouldn't. My, oh. Personally, I wouldn't go and buy one, because I... I so the, it's a it's an interesting one because I want to give a positive review of the car because it deserves one because it is very good as at a, being a car for the money comfort accessibility it's got parking sensors it's got reverse camera it's got Apple CarPlay it's a bit iffy it has a bit of a fault but it's being fixed um, I think that's just CarPlay isn't yeah, it, it is yeah just CarPlay, it's yeah. it's got all the things that you would need in a car it's got air conditioning it's got cruise control you know uh, there is nothing you can need it will hum along at 70, 75 mile an hour at 2,000, 2,500 RPM. It's, you know, if you look at the, t- the checklist of things you need in a car, the Dacia Sandero has all those things. Yeah. What it doesn't do, which I've never really thought about because I don't, it sounds a bit like a, a knobby thing to say, but I don't often drive ordinary cars. So when I drove the Dacia Sandero, I did realise that there was something missing and that something being... You don't feel very special when you drive it. Aww. And you know what I mean? Like If you drive a car that's a bit special, a bit fruity, and sometimes you know you get a press car, like the Emira that I had the week before, you're very much aware that you're driving something quite special, something that's expensive, something that other people might admire, and a lot of people won't care about, but it's special, and therefore you're kind of like fitting in. With the Dacia, it's a bit of an NPC car. You know, it is, the, it is what I referred to many times before as the white goods motoring. It's the washing machine, the dishwasher. It's the utility that you need week in, week out that will never let you down, but it's just there. Nobody goes and goes to a dinner party and says, ha, wait till you hear about this washing machine that I bought this week. You yeah. don't really, do you? So uh, it, is, it is that, but what a wonderful thing. Mm. And following the week that I'd had prior to the Dacia Sandero, I was also mildly impressed with it. Mm. Mm. Is that because you had the Lotus the week before? I did have a Lotus the week before. So we were just saying before we hit record that Mm. all of us had high hopes. I I love Lotus as as a brand and as the people that are in it, I think they're great. We like what Mm -hmm. they do. Yeah, and I I love love that they've come back from the ashes and their design point is Mm. just fantastic. The, oh, I forgot the name of the, the, the funny one with the funny back end. The Avaya. The Avaya. Yeah. I think the Avaya was the, probably the prettiest car I've mm. seen in recent years. Thinking, that is that a concept car? And it's like, mm. no, it's a thing. I was like, yeah. that's it's a, a thing, thing. But not yet. But, but yeah, it's yeah. A, mm. Probably will be a thing. Hopefully. Like, everything that they are producing, you're like, this is cool. Yeah. So, you borrowed the Amira. I did. 
Yes, I did, I did, I did. And we were there for the launch. You we know, were? We, we were kind yeah. of present for it. And you're right. I mean, design point of view, Russell Carr and the design team, um, forgive me, I've forgotten the name of the interior designer. Uh, but again, you've done an absolutely spectacular job. The car looks superb. And you're right. The, the current design language from Lotus is amazing. Um, I'm really excited to see. I think it's probably going to be this year we will start to see the new um, their new kind of sports sedan version of a car that's going to be coming out and again it's going to be on that same platform as the Electra so it's going to be fully electric uh, but yeah the the Amira is such a special and significant car because of course as we know it's replaced the Elise the Exige and the Evora all three of those cars have now ended mm-hmm. and the Amira is the only and it will be the last petrol powered car that Lotus ever produced so that's a really that's significant thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big boots to get into. Well, I remember um, the. I remember in in twenty one when Lotus were really, uh, you know, they were, I guess, really putting themselves back on the map, as it were. Mm. And it was at Festival of Speed, if you remember. Yeah. Was that where they launched it? They did. Yeah, that's right. It was about yeah three or four weeks after the big launch of the car. They did Correct. the big launch at Heffel, and then yeah, Festival of Speed was the first time that the public saw it. And I, I remember speaking to somebody who I uh, I think I think it's a product sales manager there now, something like that. Um, and he said that they have literally had a queue of people up to the stand to put yeah, deposits down. Yeah, they took and a I, fortune I in deposits. They took a monstrous amount of deposits that weekend just mm-hmm. at Goodwood. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It was it flew off the rails from, with regards to people all over the world wanting to buy them. Uh, but I, up until this point, haven't had an opportunity to actually physically drive one. Yeah. So what I found interesting, and, and I'm kind of glad it did pan out in this way, is I didn't get an opportunity to drive one when they, the first press drives came out. And I know that there were some quite interesting reviews. And what you also have to remember is at the time of the launch... Lotus said, oh, we're expecting this car when it goes on sale to be about £62,000, 62, 63 grand. And I remember thinking like, ah, do you know what? That's not too bad. That's like, that's a little bit more expensive than some of the previous models they've made. But it sounds like that's going to be an affordable sports car. And it's British. And I know we shouldn't get all patriotic about British things, but we do. We want to see the British car manufacturers do well. So it's like, you yeah, know, this is, this is big. And Lotus have this big cult following. Um, but about a week before I took delivery of the Lotus, I started looking around online. Uh, I wanted to see how many were for sale because there's always this interesting game, isn't there? When a new sports car comes out, if, especially if it's in high demand, there's a bit of a waiting list. People try to sell the car for more money. They'll either flip their point in the allocation queue or they'll take the car, drive it for a couple of weeks and then try and sell it for the same money or more. Um, and I noticed there were about 55 already for sale Wow! before I took delivery of the Amir. And I thought, well, what's going on there? And I almost, I didn't, but I almost picked up the phone to a few of the people just to kind of ask the questions and go, just out of yeah, interest, why? you know, mm-hmm. motoring journalists here, why are you selling your car so, so soon? And they're not selling them for over either. Some of them are like high 60s, early 70s. So already 10 grand less than what a lot of people are paid. Because again, I should point out, yes, when the car was launched, they said it's going to be about 62 grand. The one I tested was 82,000 pounds. Mm. Yeah, so big money. It's a big old leap. Um, and then when you think about what else you can get for that sort of money, yeah, um, I'll tell you, um, 300 pounds less than the Amira that I was driving, you could, in theory, go and get yourself a Porsche Cayman GT4 which is an exceptional car. Yeah, they're and very it, good. Like, just incredible. I know that the 2024 model is going to be significantly more. I think it's probably going to be 100 grand plus. But right here, right now, you can go and get, in theory, and I say in theory because you'd have to be on the right uh, waiting lists and stuff, you could spend £300 less and get a GT4. Or you could spend seven grand less and get a Cayman GTS. 
which you would get allocation for. Another great car. Which, again, mm. it's just incredible. So it was in that category. Again, before I'd driven the car, it's in that category of, wow, that's a competitive little area. Um, you know, we've got a Corvette um, Z06, I think, in the car park at the moment, which is £84,000. So, again, it, it kind of makes you think, like, the, there's other cars available to it. So, unfortunately, in my week with the car, I found it really, really, really difficult, given my initial excitement and my initial, initial um, kind of, like, positive expectations of the car... I was a little bit let down. And it wasn't necessarily because it's a terrible car, because it's not. There are lots of things I really like about the Amira. But to me, it is about £20,000 too expensive. And I know that's a mad statement to make. Yeah. Where do you think, or where would you want to see improvements that would want, make you want to buy it at 80 I, I, I think it would be, the first edition that I had, it comes with the V6. You have a manual option or a um, automatic transmission option. Um, I have driven both. The manual, again, Lotus, for whatever reason, the past few years, because this V6 engine and the gearbox are exactly what they were using in the Exige, the final edition Exige and the Evora. Yeah. And it's worth kind of making a little mental note about the Evora here. Yeah, the, the engine and gearbox have been around for a long time. And in the, I drove the Exige final edition, which I think had 430 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, and the engine felt a lot more alive in that than it did in the Amira. Uh, the Amira claims to have 400 horsepower, but for whatever reason, it just didn't quite feel like it. It felt a bit more like 320, 350. Yeah. And I wonder if there is a, a forward plan where, as time goes on, Lotus are going to unlock more power from that guarantee, engine. I guarantee that give it a little bit. Yeah, give it a bit more zing. Because to me, there were the, with the manual gearbox, I found that it was just kind of coming onto cam. They bark into life at about four and a half thousand RPM, and then it kind of the engine really comes to life, and it sounds incredible. That V6 engine and, and the exhaust technology that they put on it sounds amazing, but it kind of like came onto cam, and then very quickly you're at the rev limiter, mm-hmm. and it it kicks you like you would not believe. Like you, I did it. Firstly, when I got to the, uh, I got to Hethel, they said, "Oh, seeing as you're here, do you want to take it out on the track?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course I do." So I did, took it out, and immediately was like bashing the rev limiter. And I was like, "Ooh!" And I kind of felt like, "Am I driving badly?" You know, like what what's happening here? Um, but it does seem to be a common thread. And I've spoken to a couple of other people that have driven the car, and they said exactly the same thing. They're like, "Yeah, just as it comes onto song, it's like ooh, bang," and it it cuts into you. The automatic that I've driven, I've only done a couple of local roads, and that's um, a car that's privately owned. Um, that doesn't quite, the paddles don't quite feel alive enough. It kind of gives me um, SMG BMW gearbox vibes. It's just, it feels like it could be a lot better, but it's not. But again, perhaps that could be fixed with a software update. But the manual gearbox as well, it's really notchy. For a, a car that you want to be like a performance sports car, second to third which is a really crucial gear change you actually really have to think about the positioning of the gear knob which is just wrong like that Mm. should not be the case in a sports car um so there were lots of little things and there was a there's a book that i remember reading a thousand years ago by a scandinavian entrepreneur that bought um sas the scandinavian airlines and uh, he wrote this book called Moments of Truth. And it's an amazing book. If you're a business owner or you, you're somebody that has, you know, runs, runs your own business and wants to get an external perception of how things could be better, I highly recommend this book. But the basis of it is that he took a flight after he bought the airline um, on a fairly standard route and 
took a notepad and wrote down what he called his moments of truth, which are lots of things that he noticed. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the things that he noticed were the problems. Because you don't remember when a, a flight is faultless. You remember when the carpet was a bit dog-eared and the, yeah. the trays were covered in <laughs> sticky coffee and the air hostess's uniform looked a bit scruffy and you know all those things and he wrote this list of things that he just noticed and that's what he then went on to fix and turned SAS into this amazing airline I found myself doing a similar thing in the Amira I found myself making this list of silly little things like that gearbox notch but also the gear knob itself because of the way that it's been carved they've carved in the numbers on the top but it's really rough on your hand. Yeah. And you're like, why hasn't that been thought of? The, the screens are amazing. Like these beautiful screens, both for the infotainment in the centre and for the instrument cluster right ahead of you. They look great. But then the one ahead of you is kind of like surrounded by a black moulded bit of plastic that looks like it might have once upon a time been an ice cream tub yeah. that's mm. been like reshaped. And you just think, how like how has that happened? How How have you focused so much on beauty and aesthetics and style and then like cut massive corners like that and just think it has to be better. So, you know, if those bits of trim were perhaps carbon or, or just a just a slightly a, better plastic, a nicer material, it yeah. would be fine. Um, but yeah, I found myself kind of getting a bit grumbly about lots of different things. Like the Apple CarPlay connectivity, again, just randomly would forget. So you'd have to get in the car, repair your phone. And I know that sounds like a silly little thing, but when you've got in the car, let's say, for example, you've gone to your destination, you've got out, petrol station you filled up the car with petrol you get back in the car you've already got ways directing you to your route and then you pull out of the petrol station you're driving along the road in an area you don't particularly know and you look and realize our oh, bloody phone's not connected mm -hmm. so you're then driving along trying to pair your phone it's mm -hmm. just stupid like why hasn't that been ironed out i don't understand um so yeah it was a really difficult one because there, as i say there was a lot to celebrate an awful lot to celebrate but equally I'd find it very difficult if a close friend of mine came to me and said, I've got 85 grand to spend on a car, do you think I should get the Amira? I'd really struggle to say yes. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Because again, somebody somebody I know had, had bought one and had had one, uh, I think, ordered for a while. Super excited to get it. A lady uh, who loves her cars, you know, really, really loves her cars, was excited by this. And then, fa and and you know, sadly, it's it's been back at the it's been back at the dealership a few mm. times. Uh, the roof was leaking and mm. and things like that. Which yeah, just a bit like you say, is it is it something you expect of a car that's seventy five thousand pounds plus? Yeah, probably not. The window that so yeah, like the water coming in thing. I discovered that uh, the passenger side window always felt like it was a little little bit open. There's a bit yeah. of a whistle on the motorway. You're yeah. like, come on, like how is that thing? Go to a go to a car wash. Um, yeah, jet wash the car down, you will get wet because the water will come through the gap in the window. Um, you know, fast forward seven days later, I'm at the same car wash getting the Dacia washed for a photo shoot and there's no water coming in when the jet wash is spraying it. You know, it's like if a 14 grand Dacia Sandero can do it, then a 85 grand Lotus definitely should be able to do it. Do you feel like, do you feel like it's a bit of a, a byproduct of it being like a first model year of a new car? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Potentially, like, yeah. potentially. But then this is where it gets more interesting because of course, so I've been harping on about this uh, V6 version. There is of course a four cylinder version as well. I haven't driven it yet. I know a few journo friends, Alex Goy, for example, has driven it and he thought it was fantastic. And I'm really keen to drive the, uh, the four-cylinder because it's the four-cylinder as found in the current Mercedes-AMG products. It's a Mercedes-AMG engine. 
and their gearbox apparently is very, very good. And I kind of feel like that's going to be a little bit lighter, a little bit more zingy, perhaps it's going to add a bit more character to the car. There was one ripping around the test track when I delivered the Emira back to Hethel, and it looked great, sounded great, looked like it was absolutely flying. Nice. Um, so I'm really keen to have a go in that. Uh, but here's what's interesting is the, um, the PR team at Lotus when I dropped the car off and I, I mentioned to them I said look if you're going to be hovering around whilst I film the closer to our video it's just worth me saying now you are going to hear me say it's perhaps a bit too expensive huh. and the immediate response was well there's going to be a cheaper one coming and <laughs> oh, I was really? like right but do you want me to say that in the review to all the people that have just gone out and spent yeah. 85 grand on or a car that's about far to be from thinking perfect about buying that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that'd be a lot of a lot of cash lost yeah yeah um, and I believe, and I, I have to say that I, I believe that uh, Lotus sales um, franchises, so the, the dealerships that are selling them, are already now contacting potential customers or people that have made inquiries offering quite sizable discounts on the mirrors. Mm. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I've heard two people give me that information. So I'm not saying this is a hard fact, but if that is the case, again, like that's not great so yeah all in all for the um the, the little amira i i can't help but just be a tiny bit disappointed and it's a, such a shame because i never like i never like giving bad reviews of cars and i have made a video it's going to be out on the youtube channel in the next few weeks or so where i kind of started the video by going look i don't want to be the guy that's known for only giving positive reviews but equally i don't want to be the guy that's you know giving negative reviews unnecessarily. So I've tried to be as fair as possible with the review. There will be a written review as well. Uh, that'll be coming out potentially in the next week or so. May or actually be live by the time you're listening to this, depending on how busy I was on Friday. Um, so yeah, have a look, have a proper read, have a proper watch, see what you think. But yeah, it has left me feeling a little bit disappointed because I really wanted it to be so good. Yeah. That's Is the that thing. the problem? If you go into something thinking, you know, you've you probably gone into the, the data being like, it's just a washing machine and then you've yeah. been impressed. Yeah. Whereas if you go to something with such high expectations... Is it too much of a, of think, a weight on them for something that's relatively, you know, still a new, not a new brand, yeah. but, you know, I, I expect there to be teething problems before you're it's right. fantastic It's, it's definitely a new chapter. But, of course, the other thing to remember, and this is why I, I said earmark the Evora comment earlier, because the Amira, and I don't know how public this is, like public knowledge-wise, the Amira is essentially the Evora. Mm -hmm. It's a car that came out in 2008. Mm -hmm with the same engine as the car that came out in 2008, the same gearbox that came out in 2008. I know that there have been adapt adaptations to the chassis. I know that things have been developed and tweaked and made better. But ultimately, the the, the vast majority of what that product is, is a car that came out 15 years ago. Sure. I suppose that simply from a there. business point of view, though, you've got to use what you can originally. Completely. And then sell it for probably more than it's one, yeah. that you can yeah, yeah. to be able to then the next lot of cars be the most fantastic cars. Yeah. Because otherwise you haven't yeah. got any cash to start off with. I mean, you've got a lot of cash you need to start to begin with, but it mm. needs to, from a from a financial point of view. So yeah. I can kind of not understand, but I will, personally, I'll give them some leeway, I think. Like, I, I look forward to seeing if people can still stick around and be, if they can fix the problems with the cars that they've got at the minute mm. and then still have the faith or get, yeah, keep faith of people for the next five years, I think what they'll produce in five years will surely be some of the, the best sports cars you can get out of the UK. I'd hope so. They will be exclusively electric. It's mm. worth worth reminding people of that. And, I th and again, I think that's why, that's partially why I'm a little bit more disheartened than I'd usually be, being that this is the last hurrah. This is yeah. Lotus made this massive song and dance about our last internal combustion engine car 
ever. Yeah. So therefore, you expect it to be incredible. And if it was £62,000, I'd be jumping up and down going, do you know what? Yeah, okay, the wind, the windows whistle a little bit. Gearbox isn't perfect. Um, the Apple car plays a bit clunky, but it's 62 grand and it's a Lotus and it's yeah, a sports car and, and it's it, incredible. So yeah. therefore it doesn't matter, but it's not. It's the same price as came in GT4. It's a whole bunch That's of That's the killer. Shall we cut to a very short advert break? And when we come back, we will talk about, I want to hear about your £1 million Mercedes 300SL, Amy. Sure. Not yours. Not mine, yeah. I wish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> business is doing well. Business is doing very well. <laughs> uh, I want to know why you've also put a motorcycle in your kitchen. I yep. want to hear about you strapping yourself to a robot, Miles. Yep. I have seen the video. It's quite hilarious. Yep. And, and I'll tell you about something very stupid I did on a brand new Ducati. Back in a mo. The Driven Chat Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Now, before the break, I teased with the fact that Amy's been photographing a £1 million Mercedes-Benz. Yes. Um, so it's the first ever 300SL that ever photographed. Um, and I was doing it. It wasn't, it was for, I think I can say, yeah, because they were announced by the time this is out. Uh, it's for Sotheby's. So they are privately selling it. And yeah, they are roughly estimating around the million mark Ooh. for it. So That's quite. A does, it, does it have record, some uh, it? providence or something like that? I don't actually know. No. I have no wow. idea. But it's just it's, a nice car. It's a very nice car. But um, what's funny is that I sent my my family, my, my Shaw family WhatsApp group, a picture of the inside of the car. being you know, So my, my dad, my brother, and my husband are all very car-y. Yeah. Um, and my brother and uh, my mum and sister-in-law, less so. But sister-in-law is very sweet. So mum just does, just she's very cutthroat. She um, <laughs> sent the picture, literally, interior of this million-pound car, driving through the beautiful countryside and my mum goes oh look a red car (laughs) (laughs) the the response that I get no 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 idea also um I celebrated my uh, this is later in the chat meant to be celebrate I can talk about now celebrate my 10 years of being a car photographer which is cool 10 years 10 years I know right man years in the in my little collage of pictures over from the last kind of 10 years or whatever I could find my phone um, I put in a picture of me with Charles Leclerc and um, Sebastian Vettel. Uh-huh. And my mum just looks at and goes, who are them fellas? Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I, no, I, she doesn't Don't care. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Only some of the most celebrated racing drivers in the I've world. I've forgotten your mum's name. Lorraine. Lorraine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> She's Don't very sweet. you worry about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. That's m- brilliant. Well, mother was not impressed. I guess looking over that, because you, I guess 
building that collage or whatnot, it would remind you, like you say, of all those things mm. you've done over the last ten years. Yeah. And I bet it was. I bet it was quite. It was heartwarming for me as well. Like because like, you kind of do these these jobs and you think, oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. And it's quite nice when you, when you talk about some of these things you've done. And then you kind of see it as a little like for me, it was one of those quite reflective moments yeah. of ten years. And I just Surely. thought ten because then I was thinking about ten years ago. So in, in the uh, August sixteenth, twenty thirteen, um, I was I went to my I was living in Leicester. I was still living with my mum and dad, and I went to my local accountancy per- person that that contacted you know friend of a friend and then it, and there was that was the point where I signed all the documents and the sign me I was on company's house as a sole trader as a photographer so that's how I can like consider me being a um, self-employed person yeah and so and at the beginning of the business it was also my brother's birthday on the same day and so it's kind of one of those I just think if I think back to that day when I did that and I thought you know what quite a lot has happened since then a and lot. some it's very great, isn't it? yeah I very like, nice things it's one of the, the few things I really really like about social media is when you get the kind of this happened six seven years yeah ago. that's kind of the only reason why i still have facebook because i like looking at the memories like although yeah. apart from when it's like 13 years ago yeah. amy was oh, at starbucks <laughs> or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and i was like <laughs> or do you, when it used to when it used to have your name at the start of it yeah so it'd be like mars lacy is, is yeah. something and you so know. you end you only ever see these weird end bits of like talking about yourself in third person yeah <laughs> Makes me cringe. Weird period that was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Congratulations. Thanks Congratulations. Yeah, so you think you'll stick at it or? Well, I mean, yeah. I feel like you, you're just about getting your head around it now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, also, um, you mentioned about hanging things on your your wall in your own house, which yes. is quite. I like the idea of that. You know, you as a photographer. Um, oh, well, maybe it'd be a bit weird if you were only hanging photos that you took yourself. It'd be a bit <laughs> odd, actually. Now that I think about it. Um, but I, I happen to know that, uh, and I'll let you divulge into how much you want to share about this. But um, you've recently moved house, and as well as artwork being on display in your house, you. Have just, according to my notes here, put a motorcycle in your kitchen. Yeah. So I bought this beautiful BSA Bantam. It's an old post office bike. It's 1966, I think it is. So it's bright red with like leg guards and big GPO written in gold down the leg guards and a tank number of what the post office bike, little medical box on the side. Gorgeous thing. Yeah. Saw this bike over one festival speed in an antique shop in Arundel down the down the road yeah. from, from Chichester. And I was like, and I, I'd always thought I'd love to have a house bike. And <laughs> so I saw this bike and I was like, that's my house bike. I had no intention of buying a motorcycle at all. And I just, it, again, antique shop. So this thing hadn't been run for a long time. Yeah. Anyway, managed to get it out of the antique shop, started it after quite a lot of turning over, kicking at it. At the shop? Yeah, literally out of the shop. In, no in, way, yeah, right. well, not in the shop. We did no, take it outside. But, but that's, yeah. a, that's mad. Not, so it managed to run for you know, a few seconds. We're like, okay, it does run. Since then, it's had an engine rebuild, and so it does actually run quite nicely now. Um, but it's for the last three years, we've been living in a very tiny house. And so it oh. was, you remember my old house do, in, yeah. in, in Oxfordshire. Um, it was in there and then has had to go just in a workshop, like actually in the shed for, for the last three years. So now I've got this nice big house again. Um, yeah, now lives in my kitchen. Hey. But because we're in a rented property... Um, oh, do they know? When, well, so my <laughs> my defence is... It's not in the contract. <laughs> it's not in the contract, no motorcycles in the house. Um, and also, uh, they just said to us, they're, they're really, really good landlord, landlady. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, just decorate it however you want. I'm really? calling this decoration. So it's on a rug, which is in the kitchen. So it's easily... You know, fixable, Perfect. wipeable. Um, so, yeah. And I just thought every house needs a, a house bike. I agree with you. Some of the best houses I've ever been in have got a house bike in them. I agree with you. Have you got a house bike? No. Why? 
Uh, ours is a bit. It, I don't think it's quite big enough to have a. There's no quiet corner. I could, I could. I'm lying. I could put a motorcycle in there. I think it would look quite. Uh, I haven't seen the space that your motorcycle's in, but I feel like uh, if I put a motorcycle anywhere in my house, it would be quite a dominating feature well, and you, not in the right way. You've also, or you've also been in in the house that I've just moved out of. Yes. Very tiny house. Yeah, no, that's true. Did you, with that one podcast that we did where we sat on my sofa to do the podcast. Oh, gosh, yeah, we Do did, you not remember, we? was there a motorcycle in the house then? It was, then? yeah, it was. So it is, yeah. that's tiny house. It is, Motorcycle yeah. in the tiny yeah, house. Yeah. You yeah. can, you can fit it will, I have no doubt that uh, the, the forward coming years of my life when I move into other houses, uh, there will certainly be. Meanwhile, Amy, your partner, is listening to this going, no, no way. I'll be getting, <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll be a WhatsApp message two or three days after this episode's gone live. It <laughs> will just not. appear on my phone that's saying, we're not putting <laughs> Just so you do it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, you know, we, we have aspirations for like a big barn conversion or something moving forward, which will be, lo- have loads of space and yeah, there'll be all sorts of. You'll have loads of, then you'll have loads of old crap in it. Exactly, yeah. yeah with F1 cars dangling from the ceiling and all but sorts. Did you see the that, I think everybody's seen it, that picture that was circulating Instagram that was an AI or photoshopped production of an F1 car upside down over your dinner table? Oh, was it the old JPS Lotus? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Really? You've not seen this? No. Yeah. <gasps> it was, it's been around now for like, it, it's been the thing that's been on Instagram now. Uh, all yeah. over. It looks wicked. And you just think somebody's going to do that. Oh, in, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not for real. I don't think so. No, I think it's fake. I think oh. it's um, AI produced. Uh, yeah, it's quite cool, yeah, honestly, really, there really are, cool. I've, I've seen a few people that have, have put like, on I've seen, cars like, vertically. And yes, stuff on I the have wall, seen that. Like really um, awesome. old um, uh, Formula Juniors stuff yeah. on, the, on the wall, which is, looks wicked. Or just the bodywork, not and just maybe a few. Mm, yeah, yeah, perhaps not with the engine, but yeah. But Unlike wicked. I, would, I, I think I'd be constantly worrying if I was sat at that dining room table just thinking. We... Today might be the day. <laughs> which, which raw plugs did we use? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Miles. Hello. Point number six on my schedule <laughs> is Miles strapped himself to a robot. Yeah, which I, I which I, I appreciate is not necessarily car related. However, it kind of is because, you know, we do a lot of filming with cars. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of filming with cars. Mm-hmm. You photograph them all the time, Amy. And these... It's getting more tenuous, but go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, these particular robots, I went to go and see at a, uh, a demonstration event in Manchester, which is not far from where I live. And they were quite remarkable because I expected... I'm not really sure what I expected when I turned up. I expected something, you know, miniature on the table kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Turns out, no, like there's some robots that apparently take up the whole space of a like a film studio kind of thing. Right. And... They're used for like music videos, filming cars, uh, putting um, uh, like probe cameras on and things like that. And, and these are, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, but from I've looked at this video, which we'll also post somewhere on our um, Instagram yeah. feed. It looks like the kind of robots that build cars. I was just about exactly. to say, yeah, is that they, what it is? Yeah, it looks like that with um, a camera on the end instead. Exactly. Or a miles on the end. Or, yeah, and, or, yeah it turns out you can... And miles lacy. It turns out you can fling a human around in it as well. Um, and essentially, the bigger they are, it still might... Yes, it can carry like a big cinema camera or something like that. But the bigger they are, it's often when they do these like tiny macro shots. So even though it might have a very small camera on it doing a tiny movement, mm-hmm. the, cam- the, the arm and the camera... Uh, sorry robot needs to be so big because they vibrate so the bigger they are the more control they have over the the camera as it were Mm. um 
so those tiny macro shots that you see on like TV adverts and things like that, you think, how on earth have they done that? It's not somebody keeping their hands still. It's, it's mm. literally one of these giant robots. Massive robot. So they said as a bit of a proof of concept, we've, we've strapped a racing seat to one. <laughs> and uh, do you fancy a go? I was like, what do you mean? Do you fancy a go? <laughs> like, like, well, well, we'll strap you into it. It can carry 260 kilos. We don't think you quite weigh that much. So, you, you know, you'll be all right. Wow. Um, and yeah, we'll post the video, but essentially it does one of these crazy camera movements, which is like, you know, 20 feet up in the air, swings me round, upside down, all the rest of it. Utterly, you know, in complete control. And I felt quite ill when I got after it. <laughs> but it was just a remarkable piece of engineering, actually. It's amazing also to think, because I think there's a lot of chit-chat at the moment with regards to the future of filmmaking. Yeah. And I'm seeing this a lot with car commercials and car videos and car promo films. Al Clark, who's a very close friend and he's been on the podcast before, um, he has been famous for many years for producing and directing these amazing car videos with filmed with actual cameras. And he famously made the uh, Bugatti Chiron top speed run film where he strapped his camera to another Bugatti Chiron in yes. order to track the car breaking the record. So it was not only the fastest car, it was also the fastest tracking car. And it was, you know, the sequence of amazing shots. But Al is now delving into a new world of computer-generated videos mm -hmm. and animations and things and doing this amazing, amazing, amazing work. But we were talking recently about, you know, isn't it a shame that we're losing some of that magic of turning up to a set with a camera to make these amazing films? But then to hear that this sort of engineering is happening where we're transforming these multi-purpose robots into being big and ready to have cameras strapped to them to actually still film things it's quite exciting i think it just it just it opens up more opportunity because they also had they were also demoing this tech um i think it's it's the tech that they used famously to shoot the mandalorian um and it's essentially okay. the a, a, a a big screen if you will yeah huge um that knows where the camera is in in physical space right. and it and moves the background based on where the camera is yeah so it can imp it can create the impression of a huge environment where actually you could be in a room of like this size like yeah. a normal a normal studio or something like that um and a interestingly i'll find the film and i will send it to you so we can reshare it mm. it was a film i think that won the motor film awards uh, mm. from a couple of years ago okay and it's a great it's a great short of um i think it's a it's a, a renault gt3 car or something like that or an ascari can't remember comes into the pits like really dramatic <laughs> tires on you know just like a very moody dramatic film big burnout out of the pits but a lot of the shots where they filmed the guy in the car was done static with right. with with clever lighting, stereo tubes, mm. backgrounds, all this kind of thing, yeah. and a bit of camera shake, and it's so good, it's brilliantly good. But actually, the car's not moving at all. Is there a behind the scenes video of it so you can we can see how it's made? I'll try and I'll try and dig yeah. it out. That sounds be, cool to watch. Cool. Yeah, it's fantastic to watch. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. You know, we do a lot of filming. We just do a lot of you know, you know like vlog style sort of mm. stuff, don't we? But when you move into this like arty sort of dimension too, where people really uh, design shots as it were yeah it's I just great. think it's fascinating it is very cool yeah um, I, I like that we've gone from points like one two six three seven <laughs> yeah. four so five five ah go on John did something daft and went green laning for the first time on a £14,000 Ducati I did green laning on a Ducati yeah how did that go well really 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was a bit alive. stuck because I got yeah, I'm still alive. All my limbs are the, the right direction. I was think. it? Accidental? No. Oh. No. So I got sent the Ducati Desert X. I say it got sent. I went to collect a Ducati Desert X from Ducati at Silverstone. And I think that was that happened like two days before our last recording where the three of us were together. Correct. Um, and I was kind of a bit stuck on what to do with it because the bike's now been out for about nine months. So everyone that wants to do a like journalistic review of the bike, they've done it. So I thought there's no point in me doing the same thing because yeah. everyone's already seen that so i kind of was brainstorming at home thinking what can i do with this bike what can i do to make a film with it so it's an amazing thing 80 percent of its development was done off-road for this particular ducati it's designed as an enduro off-roader incredible looking thing oh, yeah, I see it. the remainder of its engineering was done on road uh-huh. but then ducati which is where it gets really interesting ducati have said we know that despite the fact that the bike was developed 80% off-road, we know that only 10% of our customers will actually take it off-road. But it looks like, like such a cool off-roady bike. It's super cute. It looks like it looks like little spider eyes. You know where they're going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Like, it does. One of these. It so does. it's based yeah. on uh, it's based on the 19 uh, is it late like late 80s, early 90s, the Kagiva Elephant, which was a Dakar bike. And it was uh, yeah, it's cool. very Dakar y, yeah. even, even with its colour like, schemes as well. So yeah. it came out, I think it was like 2018, 19. They, uh, Ducati launched it as a concept at Eichma and did the, the tour of all the bike shows of like, look at this cool concept bike yeah. that we're not going to make, but look how cool it is. And of course, everyone was like, please, please, please make like, it. do it. Uh, and then uh, about a year or so later, they went, yeah, fine, okay, we're going to make it. And then, of course, everyone assumed it wasn't going to look as cool as it's ended up looking. Um, but yeah, they've done it. They've built this just spectacular thing uh, and the big sales pitch from Ducati was it's really easy to ride off road mm-hmm. now I've never been green laning on, on a, I've never even done any off road motorcycling the, mo- the closest I've come is hopping around a bit of grass at the Malay Mile yep. last year that is the extent of my off road riding and let me tell you dear listener Enduro riding and off-road riding is a very, very, very <laughs> specific skill. It uh, is not mad. It's Absolute not transferable mad. like, I can drive a car on the road, therefore I can drive a car off-road. It is completely different. Oh, really? So I thought, um, in the interest of entertainment and stupidity, I would go green laning on the brand new £14,000 Ducati <laughs> press bike yeah. to see how easy it is. Can, yeah, I, yeah, okay, yeah. Can, I, can I ask, did you drop it? No. Well done. I came very close <laughs> a number of times. But no, I didn't. Uh, I, and the green lane that I used, it, the day that we did the filming on, so yes, you'll be able to go and see me ride spectacularly badly on YouTube very shortly, if not already. Um, the day that we did it was a very, very warm day, but the prior three days had just been torrential rain. So yeah. it was just, it was like the Somme. It was so muddy and horrid. Um, and the bike got exceptionally muddy and horrid, but I did it. Well done. Thanks. Uh, and will you be doing any more? I think I will. Okay. Yeah, and I loved that bike so much. I was expecting to like it because I'd seen and read a few reviews of people that had already done it and the people that I know fairly well, so I yeah. know their riding ability, I know what they kind of like and dislike in, in cars and bikes, and I was like, ooh, well, if they think it's good, then I'm probably going to think it's good. And I did. It was just incredible. And in not not huge money either. I mean, it's... It, yeah, we think Ducati. It's, we it's no, think, it's no mutt. It's no mutt. Yeah. No, yeah, that's it. Uh, but for a bike that can do absolutely everything, and it, it looks is wicked, a cool actually. Thing. Yeah, it's a, such a cool looking bike. I think it's one of the coolest looking modern bikes, mm. uh, and that is saying something because we get a lot of new bike designs that come out. But uh, for a, yeah, something to look as cool as it does, I was quite chuffed. Well, I think you, you, I, I got a true reflection of your 
um, appreciation for it because we went to Wales, didn't we, to get South Wales to go and do that shoot? We did, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. For the hydrogen powered car. Yeah. And I'd driven there in my car and uh, not in my car, in my car. No. <laughs> and uh, you'd ridden there on the bike. Yeah. And got there, what, like a minute before me? And you said, I left the house with this much time to get there. Yeah. The nav said this much time and yeah. I didn't have any fuel and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. So yeah. the odds were stacked up against you. Yeah. And you just said you had the most brilliant on-road experience with it's it as well. just, honestly, I mean, carving through that. So that particular commute, yeah, from me in leafy Stratford-upon-Avon in Warwickshire to, um, what was the town? Where were we? It was a real hick town. <laughs> it was really in the middle of nowhere. It was, uh, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was, yeah. Um, South Wales, though. Powys. Powys, yeah. Um, beautiful. The the ride there is beautiful. Not one motorway, not one dual carriageway. The whole way was just back lanes. It was just glorious. And, yeah, I remember getting there, like, feeling charged. I was like, oh, my God. And did exactly the same on the way back and way home. Because if you remember, I had to leave fairly sharpish. Because I promised I was going to be attending a uh, family friend's meal thing. Um, and I left with the arrival time of you're late uh, <laughs> to you're quite early uh, without doing stupid speeds. I must add, it was just the ability to like carve through traffic and stuff. It's just great. So yes, have a look on our YouTube channel for that. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be there very shortly. It's an amazing thing. Such a cool thing. Um, we should probably tackle some questions. Mm-hmm. We did we put a shout out, as I said at the beginning of this episode, uh, we asked our we asked on our social medias for some questions or some talking topics. Yeah, and you didn't let us down. You, you delivered. Some. Thank you, you dear have listener. I um, we're not going to read them all because we did get quite a few, but I'm going to go through a few. I've got about six here that I've seen. You got some as well, Amy? Yeah, I only got like I think I got six as well. Oh, well but one of mine go. was talking topic. Uh, someone just put cars. cars. So there we are. We ticked, ticked it off. That. Ticked cars. <laughs> Done. Thank you. Going, you give me a uh, I'm going to go with... Oh, well, here's one. Again, we kind of touched on this already as well. This is from Duncan. Duncan says, what is your prediction on electric versus e-fuel versus hydrogen? Mm. And it's... This is an interesting one because, as you've just alluded to there, we, a couple of weeks ago, did record a podcast where we drove a hydrogen car Dead. for the first time ever. Um and I don't know about you, but I walked away from that or rode away from that day thinking, I don't know if the future is as electronic as we're all thinking it's going to be. Not at all. Uh, no, Not at uh, all. I feel like we've we're I feel like we're fairly well positioned to talk about it now because mm. we've actually experienced all yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and my experience of working with so many EV uh, cars over the last two years. Yeah. And the pain, there's no other way of putting it, the pain of living with one Mm. and the obvious limitations of infrastructure. I mean, you know, we've done it. We've not done it to death. We've spoken about it a lot Mm. and we've we've not. It's not just our opinion. We've you know, you've looked at the numbers. It just doesn't stack up. It does not stack up. I don't think I don't think they're here to stay. I think they'll have a place, Mm. um, but they won't be the final story in how we get around. No. Yeah. Um, kind of going similar chat while we're talking about um, electric stuff. One of my questions I uh, got uh, was, would an electric mode replicating ice, torque and power curve be a good idea? Ooh. Um, no, I don't <laughs> think it would. Well, I think... Personal opinion. It's a, go- it's a good question. Well, but... for, for the benefit of like gear changing or no just characteristics of a... An so... ice, just for anyone that mm. doesn't know the short, ice literally internal combustion engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think... I think I think interesting question, but my my view on it is um, 
that, as we've talked about before, the only real characteristic that electric cars can deliver is the fact that they can go really, really fast off the line. Mm. Apart from that, they're pretty uninspiring. So then I think if then they start to back that off as well, it kind of has no appeal. Yeah. It is a really interesting one. And I think, yeah, like... uh, Following on from Duncan's question beforehand as well, it's worth have a listen to next week's podcast. So that is the one where you and I, Miles, are talking to uh, Hugo from River Simple, uh, and that there we've we've driven the hydrogen car. We can give kind of impressions of what it's like, characteristics wise. There will be a video on that car as well that's going to be coming out on the YouTube channel around the same sort of time. Yeah. Um, but we did talk about the, the things like the characteristics of the car, and and I think you're right. You know that question about mimicking characteristics i just i think everything it's a completely different output you wouldn't try to make a petrol car have the same sort of torque band as a turbo diesel it just you know it's like i don't think it makes sense there are i've seen um some other benefits to electric cars such as off-roading there electric cars uh because again because of the power delivery and how sensitive you can put the power in um, you can do really amazing things like going off road, like crawling yeah. over rocks and stuff that is yeah. a bit more challenging in, say, a turbo diesel or something like that. So, yeah, a place for everything, but... Um, probably not that. Probably not that, yeah. Gun, you have a question then. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, um, oh, okay, well, again, similar theme. Thoughts on the new Caterham EV that looks nothing like a Caterham? Oh, my goodness. I can't stand Caterhams, so Ooh. I'm sorry. It's, this is, uh, I can't... Tell us what you really think. Go on, Amy. <laughs> I think that... That I'm coffee's sorry. fine, you <laughs> yeah, so I, Automotive journalist question. Yeah. What is it you can't stand about it? I think they are just the... Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna <laughs> really driven s- one. slag people off. Have um, you driven one? Have I driven one? Yeah. No, the, the closest I got is I drove. This is probably not a, a good um, example. I drove a low cost. Oh yeah, right. yeah. I raced one of those. Yeah, so that's so that's where I um that's how I, the, I was um. I did so my first proper track day from, cool. yeah, yeah. With, with Cam Jackson. I, I did my my yeah low cost it so like round uh, Donington. Yeah. Um. So I've had a good I've had a good go in one. They're fun things. Mm. I cannot stand how they look. Like okay. in terms of a driving point of view, I can understand them. Yeah. Everything else I do not understand. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, why not? Oh, it's just... quite. Uh... And also I feel it's a bit of a, an obvious choice. And, like mm. I'm, and I don't like that either. It's okay. A, a, I just I get that. Get, get something that. more interesting that is nicer to look at. So I've recently been having a quite an interesting back and forth debate with a uh, kind of associate colleague of ours, Dan from Forza Cliente, which is a company that's kind of like our sister company to us. And Dan is really keen on buying a Caterham. And he kind of floated this with me. We did a drive together down to Goodwood not long ago and we were talking about this. And I said, because I'm kind of, I think I'm more in your camp, Amy, than I am in Dan's. So like, I know that they are hilariously good to drive on track. Uh, but then it's the drive home from the track where I think mm. I'd feel a bit silly. Yeah. And I know that some yeah. people just don't care, and that's that's brilliant, in the same way that some people don't want to drive noisy cars, some people don't want to drive convertibles like me. I don't, you know, there are certain things that I will look at and go, I'd rather it wasn't me driving that. Um, and I remember saying to Dan, like, if it's the driving thrill you want, go and drive the new Alpine mm-hmm. A110. Yes, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I love them. One, one of my favourite cars ever. Yep. Because to me, that is one of the best handling new cars that you can buy with an engine that's not ridiculous. It's just powerful enough. But that chassis and the geometry, it's just amazing. It's such an amazing thing. Uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of really, really still committed to the catering idea. Um, I, I'm in your no. game, Amy. I don't like them. I don't, I'm just not a fan. I, no. I don't even like driving them, particularly. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I don't know. I just, mm. I just, I feel like they, they, 
well, they just don't deliver on the attributes that I like from a car, really. Mm-hmm. So it is it is personal preference because I know people love them. Yeah, yeah, some people are diehard fans. They, There's obviously a real yeah love for oh, them. Gosh, but... yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't particularly like getting blown to bits when I'm driving a car either. Yeah. You mm. know, I, I, same as you. I don't like driving a convertible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just stop for me. Yeah. So, but the question, <laughs> the question was, uh, what do we think of the new caterer yes. <laughs> that doesn't look like a caterer? So in comparison to everything we've just talked about, what is the new caterer? So have asking. a little Google if you haven't seen it yet. It do came I just out, Google it new caterer? Yeah, it was officially, 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 officially. launched at the Festival of Speed. Uh, but I think oh, a day, the day before uh, the Festival of Speed, it popped up. And it looks very, it's kind of got a bit of an Alpine look about it. Yeah, I'm just, uh, well, the, the, the picture, I've just literally Googled new caterham. Yeah. And I've got two very, very different looking cars that have shown up. So I don't know which one uh, it is. It's the, it's the one the, with the roof. It's that one. Yes, that one. Okay, cool. Yes, in that case, yes. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think that's a good looking car. It's, I, I agree. I agree. I know that it has caused a bit of controversy in the design community. Um, but I think it's quite a good looking thing. Um, no, I think it's cool. I, I actually can't... think it's a great yeah, looking car. Cool. Particularly for, I love the headlights and stuff at the back. Yeah. yeah. It feels a bit um, like, yeah, you kind of Alpine, Porsche. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, bit of Aston Martin in there, perhaps. Yeah. But is that because it's green? Maybe. <laughs> I like, love the, the, the rear end of the car. That's beautiful. Yeah. I really? think the front wheel perhaps gets a little bit lost in the arch at the front. Yeah. It almost looks like the back wheel is a lot bigger. Maybe it is, but I don't know. Um, oh, I see what you mean. It does look a lot yeah. bigger, doesn't it? it looks, but yeah, a couple of inches but higher than the than the, the front wheel. I, but yeah. no, definitely would give that a go. From a design point of view, I'm giving it a big tick. I and don't know what it's going to be like to drive. I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to drive one. But... Costs less than £80,000. <laughs> and Good have grief. a 249 mile range. 249? 249. That's, that's, that's quite high. So it's. A, I didn't even so know it was about to There we go. This, is, this could be... The kind of advancements we well, need to make electric cars exciting. Yeah, for us. that that could be an interesting test if we actually manage to get one in. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that question. See. Thank you, Grant. Go on, Amy. You can fire in. Oh, uh, um, I don't one. know if I have very many more. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine, Charlie, says uh, the Ferrari F1 gearbox doesn't deserve the hate it gets. That's uh, a thought. Charlie, you're right. You're absolutely right. And what you have to remember as well is that when that gearbox came along. It was quite a long time ago. And the only real stick that I tend to see for both that and the another unsung hero that I always like to harp on about is the SMG gearbox, as seen in E46 M3, E60 M5. Um, that got really, that's had like a really bad rep the past few years. But then what happened is the F1 gearbox and the SMG gearbox came along. And then about two years later, DSG appeared. Yeah. Which was suddenly amazing. Yeah. So that gearbox aged really badly and it's become quite fashionable for people to go, oh, it's the worst gearbox I've ever made. Uh, but it's not at all, actually. It's, it's I pretty good. I think you have good. to drive one. And once you get them onto song, like on a track day, SMG and F1 gearboxes are so good. Awesome, yeah. I, I, same thing. I I, uh, I drove uh, an E46 M3 CSL a couple of years oh. ago, um, Chef's kiss. and hadn't driven one ever before that. And I I think I I, th- I think I might have even spoken to you before, and mm. you just like just going with an open mind and just forget about all the noise that's been created about the gearbox. Yeah. yeah. And I actually really enjoyed the car because the same thing. I thought, ooh, ooh, would never buy an SMG one, mm. um, but actually found it quite pleasant, yeah. and it sort of. I don't know. It just felt like a gearbox of the time for that car as well. Yes, exactly of course, right, by yeah. today's standards, it's, you know, dog slow. Yeah. But it was a nice characteristic for the car. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Question from Carlos. Hello, Carl. 
Uh, Carl says, what is the best way to tell a middle lane hogger what you think of their driving? Crash into them. <laughs> Literally just crash straight into them. I'm a big fan of the American uh, traffic cop technique known as the pit manoeuvre. Ah, yes, yes. So, I don't know this. What oh, is this? Oh, the pit manoeuvre is glorious. So I'll do my best. I'm not going to des- I was about to describe it with hand gestures, which would be fine for here in the studio, but a bit useless for anyone at home. So pit manoeuvre <laughs> is driving in the same direction as a car that's in a perhaps parallel lane. And then with your front quarter, front bumper, you just push onto their rear quarter... Just, just a little nudge, and then you just kind of. So there, turn is, there in. is contact. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, there's contact. <laughs> so what you effectively are doing is you're moving the back end of their car with the front end of your car, yep. but sideways. Yeah. So yeah, imagine your front left indicator. Yes. Pushing against. So their we're in the we're in the fast right. lane. You're in. Well, it could be wherever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're in the you're in lane three. They're yeah. in lane two, and you want them to be in lane one or. In the field. field. (laughs) (laughs) So what you do, I guess if you want them to be in the field, in that case you want to then attack them from the left side. Uh, So you then just give them a little nudge there, or right side if you're in the States. Give them a little nudge there. That instinctively will make them turn into a skid that they didn't realise they were in. Then you just break. Then they lose control. They go the other way. They spin out. They crash into the field. Dealt with. (laughs) Dispatched. (laughs) Dealt with. Oh my god, that sounds quite morbid. Yeah, I mean, don't dispatched. do that. Obviously, <laughs> dispatched. <laughs> it's true, but you know, I'll be honest. We've all been there. We've been that annoyed by it where oh, we've thought I might actually sacrifice my car just so, to get this just car to, out of the way. The way that I found works, although I did, I did do that horrible BMW driver thing the other day. Whereas I came up <sighs> behind somebody in the middle lane who did not need to be there, and I did the flash. I was like, yeah, move. Right. And yeah. it, I'm not usually like that because I'm I feel guilty. <laughs> so, so I, you but, did it, and then you came past and went. Let's make me sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure flash me out the way. <laughs> they did move over, but the, the other way I've done it, like figured out how to how to get get around it. People don't like, or no, people love a bit of competition, and they mm. they don't like kind of being shown up no. for being. So if you you know how you think stuff, you know, if, if I go from a slow lane right around them in the fast lane back into the slow lane to try and show them, yeah. no, nah, it doesn't work. Nah. If you come up next to them in the slow lane, just sit next to them. And just look at them. Like, they don't like that. They'll do something. They'll either speed up or they'll slow down. Yeah. Stra- yeah. The psychology behind it, and this is something I've been banging on about for ages about wanting to explore the psychology of driving. But there is, you know, we, we, we can't discredit the stupidity of the our, our fellow human. No. Which it is catastrophically alarming levels of stupidity so whilst we i'd like to think anyone listening to this podcast is a car person is a motoring person they know for example that you shouldn't drive along in the middle lane if there is a uh, a lane one empty beside you uh, because that's just daft yes but anyone that does drive along in the middle lane and hasn't got any reason as to why they're doing anything you know there's not that thought of is this a bad idea it doesn't exist. It's not there in their realms that, of thought. What's the old saying? Don't you don't label something as malice that can't be attributed to stupidity, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty I much it. I think it's that. That's yeah. pretty much, and I, I've, believe it's, me, it's I've not, had conversations with people where we've talked about this sort of thing and they've gone, yeah, but what do you mean? It's just safer to just stay in the middle lane, isn't it? And oh, I'm like, God, I, read, yeah, oh. I was reading a Reddit thread At about this. And it was, yeah, yeah, and the people are like, 
you know, it's you, there is definitely a risk. You know, if you're ever, you know, going to move over to the middle lane, then back to the the the, the first lane, there's always a, an element, even if it's a tiny element of risk. And then we're just like I'm just reading it, thinking absolutely not. No. Like you're no more, no more. If you're, you're more risk sitting in the middle lane, completely, than than moving over and then moving back safely. Yeah, and and that's the thing. If you're there thinking, well, I'm here, so I'm safe, then you're immediately not thinking about anyone else on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you've got, if something happens, if a, if a tyre blows out on a truck ahead of you or if, a, um, you know, there's a something in the road, a, a bit of that tyre is in the middle of the road, suddenly you're all, the, the world that you've been thinking about, which is you in your middle lane, it gets altered. So you might want to swerve to avoid hitting that thing. But then do you know what's in the lane to the left of you? Do you know what's in the lane to the right of you? No, because you're in your own world of stupidity. Whereas if you know you're in lane one and there's something there, either on the hard shoulder or in your lane, you can either emergency move into the hard shoulder if you had to or you know what's in your right hand mirror again assuming you're in driving in britain so you know you'll be able to kind of pull out and dodge it it's just it's it's utterly barbaric and to anyone that gives the argument which i have had this in person where they say oh but you know i just feel safer there and i feel that changing lanes is too dangerous please stop driving (laughs) please just just stop it stop Sell your car and put it all into taxis because it's not for you. I completely agree. And, and, and like you say, that I don't think there's any, there's not really anything you can do because they are so blissfully unaware of what they're doing. Mm. But I would say even in, I've been what I've been driving now, te- when did I get my license? 18 or so, 12 years. Mm-hmm. I would say in that space of time, as I'm sure many others have, have observed how poor the driving standards have got, generally mm. speaking. And that's been the thing I've noticed the yeah, most in yeah. terms of where people are in the lanes, just literally wherever they feel like yeah. it. Well, again, it comes down to the, the a problem that I've moaned about this before in this podcast and on others as a guest is the um, the fact that we as a nation here in the UK, we are not taught how to drive, we are taught how to pass a test. Surely. And that's an absolutely fundamental error because, of course, yes, we can all understand what road signs mean and what the traffic lights mean, but we're not actually physically taught the art of driving. And as mad as this sounds, and I'd be interested to hear if this is the same in other countries around the world, we're not taught how to drive on the motorway. Do you? Ever. No, which I think is stupid. But you are, if you do, and I didn't do it, but the Pass Plus. Pass Plus, yeah. Do you think that the Pass Plus should be compulsory for you to, I don't know, the, the, the change of law to be able to get your second year of insurance or something like that? Or it, maybe you mm. have to, it's part of your yeah. driving test. Like once you've done your, how in motorbikes we have a Mod 1, Mod 2. Maybe if yeah. you have on your driving license, you have an equivalent Mod 1, Mod 2, where the, the Mod 1 is what you do when you're, we've all passed it already. Mm-hmm. Then you have to pass your second part where you are then allowed to go on the motorway with your instructor to be taught how to drive correctly on a motorway or um, advanced driving. Yeah, you know, for example, if you're in, coming up at speed behind somebody and then you notice that there's a lorry in front of that person, you're thinking, okay, this person in front of me is going to move over yeah. and then yeah. before, I'll move over twice because I know I'm yeah. going faster than them. That, you know, the, the more forward thinking. Yeah. If that should be something that is taught as a compulsory so. thing before people pass their driving license. Yeah, I I, 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 I absolutely I would totally be on board with that. Just or just just include it into into. Yeah, I mean maybe it has. Maybe I'm maybe I'm ten fifteen years out of date, and it is now motorway driving is part of the test. Well, seeing as they've changed the the licenses now to just. If you haven't got a trailer license, it's fine. Oh, you yeah, still you drive can a trailer. Yeah, you'd be like, right. I, yeah, I would <laughs> be surprised <laughs> if they have done that. That's very true, so, actually, yeah. No, I had to pay police £600 to get my trailer license. And then about a year later, it was yeah. free to all. Whoa. Silly. It is bad. It is mad, isn't it? And maybe um, we can go and talk to somebody who does the driving license 
rulemaking. No, well, probably not. Boring show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll just have a good argument with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your feedback on that, dear listener. And if that, you know, you might be somebody that's at home going, "No, I, I, I sit in the middle lane, and here's why." Please stop listening. Pop it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, send it over on an email. I want to. Yeah, I do. We actually do like I to hear intrigued. your viewpoint. Anyway, um, <laughs> there is there is one other question, but it's I feel like it's at risk of us rattling off quite a long time. Um, we oh, already I've, have. Yeah. We are approaching more than one and a half hours easily. Um, I've, I've got one that could also extend, but it might be for a future one. We, maybe we do it anyway, and then all the if this supersedes other stuff we talked about, chop that out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Uh, it is. Uh, what has been your worst ever journey on four or two wheels? And I've read this question about six times, and I'm trying my best to think. Uh, I don't know if I have a definitive worst journey. I've had some pretty ropey ones. Um, and what would factor a worst, a worst journey? I'm just trying to think what would factor. So we could either do a horrendous breakdown, which took ages to get collected um i've definitely had a couple of them uh i told the story before on the podcast where we got stopped by the police in germany i had to be there oh, i had yeah, to fly yeah. somebody out to drivers that was that was a pretty horrendous that was an ordeal um i think all mine are probably uh, foreign driving actually yeah yeah um worst journey but then you can have like worst journeys of where you find out bad news things like that yeah. so i don't i don't so know how you'd have one, isn't it? yeah um i would miles <laughs> I've got I've got one that sticks in my, my mind. I I really have. So, in my previous life, when I used to work uh, as an engineer, um, I would go out to Sweden and probably spend maybe like two months uh, during the winter season doing all the uh, cold weather ice driving stuff. Uh, and as a good sort of line in the sand at the end of the season we would often drive the cars back from the north of sweden back to either the uk or to germany um where bosch is uh, is based because uh, that's where the cars lived most of the time because uh, it was great because you drive obviously on the snow and the ice mm-hmm. you'd do some uh like normal b roads you do some autobahn city oh, so it wasn't just like a jolly it was a test thing yeah it was okay. like and it was like right we've done all the cold weather stuff we're quite happy with the development we've done as a good acid test let's drive it on a bunch of roads on the way back like a mm. long journey and it was quite something we look forward to every year really so you know i'd done this route a bunch of times drove back from the north of sweden and um there's probably i don't know six of us in a convoy and we had uh, plenty of time to get there. And we had a ferry booked to get us from uh, Sweden back over to Germany. And then we would drive through, uh, drive drive back down uh, in Germany. And um, without being too graphic, I had clearly eaten something oh, no. <laughs> uh, on the day before that had not sat well with me to the point where... I we I, I we're all on radios and I I'd, about two hours into the journey I said oh, guys I'm just do you mind if we pull over I just need to pop to the loo yeah yeah sure so I do that and it was horrendous it was awful like awful I'm sweating Are we it's northbound enough. or southbound I'm southbound <laughs> I'm southbound um, in so many ways and pop that sandwich down just for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, and I'm there thinking, this isn't good. And I don't feel like this is the end of it either. Oh, no. So anyway, sort myself out. And I'm not kidding, within probably half an hour, I'm on the radio again, guys, I'm really sorry. I, do you mind if we stop off at this fuel station? And gradually the fuel stations and thus toilet facilities are getting 
worse and more infrequent. So I'm panicking. I'm sweating in the car and I'm like... So, have you got any passengers with you at this point? It's just point? me. Okay, thank goodness. Me. At least for that, you don't have to try and keep a conversation at once. Exactly, this is exactly. And I got to the point where it was like almost every fifteen minutes or so, and I said to the crew, "I said, look, you go ahead, because this isn't the last of it. You know, I'm just <laughs> no. going to just keep me posted where you are, and I'll let you know how I'm getting on." Eventually, I think I'm just. I'm empty, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left. Um, and I was like, right, I need to pick up the pace here because the guy said, well, the ferry's booked at this time. I said, well, listen, what's your ETA? I said, this time. And it was like a good hour or so after. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, right. God, I might not make this. Um, and then it was like something from the heavens was sent because my stomach settled for long enough that I could stay in the car for a couple of hours. And this Audi A6 just joined the traffic in front of me. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, all right. He's, go- he's going quite well. Like, the pace is good. And anyone... Is this that- Autobahn? That I'm still in Sweden at this uh, point. Right. Okay. So Ooh, I know what's coming then. <laughs> so in Sweden, they hate speed. Hate it. Yes. And there are speed cameras everywhere. Yeah. So I thought, he's cracking on really quite well. I won't say what speed, but he's really cracking on quite well. What I will do... I will lock onto the back of him, but with enough distance so that if he gets pinched, I can still hit the brakes. Yes, the golden rule, isn't it? Don't be the fastest. Don't be the fastest. Yeah. And I don't don't know how it happened, but he was going exactly the same way I was. And for a good two and a half hours, we were just booking through. Nice. Like flat, just very, very fast, very efficient. And I literally got to the ferry, but to the point where my friend was there with another car. All of the other cars were on the ferry. He's there with the guy at the gate. He's like, he's coming now, he's coming now. I drive on, bang, doors up, away we go, off to Germany. Ah, nice. nice. I thought you were going to say, and after two hours, the unmarked Audi <laughs> yeah. put on his blues and twos. <laughs> that's and what I was expecting. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. But um, this yeah, guy, if, if you, whoever you are, you saved <laughs> me that little day. angel, your Audi angel. <laughs> Audi angel, Swedish angel. Um, and uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to me, but it was un- it was an unpleasant twelve hours. I, I bet. Yeah, it does not sound like fun. <laughs> I don't think I've had any poorlies like that. No, not for car ones. No, the worst. I think it's still the worst. Yeah, the, probably the worst journey. I still attribute it. It would be the the German. Uh, you, I, I don't know if you've heard. But long story short, we're, we're driving from the UK to Denmark to go and collect a car. Mm-hmm. Um. I hadn't got my trade. This is before I got my trade license. This is the reason I got my trade license. Um, went going through Germany. We thought, you know, we'll keep going for another couple of hours. About eleven o'clock at night at this point. And one one night of the year, the German police pull over every single person on the motorway to check all the documents, everything, everything. So. I'm driving at this point. I've borrowed a van and a trailer. It was meant to be a small van and a trailer and ended up being a big van and a trailer. So I definitely was technically, as the police later informed me, driving without a license. So I get pulled over into this uh, this big car park and um, the police come up and go, hey, can we can we see your insurance and your your, um, your driving license and stuff? And I'm like, yeah. And then they're checking on the trailer and the trailer weights and stuff. And they're like, have you, uh, have you got a you know, trailer license? And I was like... No, well. and then they were like, I was like, it, it, well, and I hadn't, I hadn't, gone, I couldn't say anything. Anyway, then they're like, how much money do you do you earn? And I'm like, not much, nothing, very little. And then they still said we're going to charge, um, giving a fee, uh, a fine of five hundred euros for drive, driving without a license, and you're not allowed to drive away from this, um, from this car park. At this point, also, 
Um, my boyfriend, boyfriend at the time and I had only got, I got back from Hong Kong about two days before. We weren't, we were, we, we were both very poorly with colds. Like, oh, I think he had like an element of pneumonia. He was, he'd been hospital two was days before. Was he patient zero? <laughs> well, it was that kind of thing. Oh. Was it? What it? I don't know what it would have been now. A bit too early for that. Um, but like, really, but we were we, we'd got cough medicine bottles in the in the dash, like oh. chugging them. Kind of thing. them. Was, no, honestly, <laughs> if we had it, we were just no spoons, just chugging them. No. Um, and so we had to be in this layby, and I had to put out an SOS on Instagram, being like, "We're stuck in this. It's stuck in this layby." In, in Germany, has anybody with the trailer license got the next three days free that can fly over to the UK uh, to, to Germany where we were? We'll detach the the van and the trailer. I'll leave boyfriend of the time on the trailer because we haven't got trailer locks. So we couldn't leave it in this layby. I will drive the van, go and pick you up from an airport, drive you back to the trailer, and then you can you can drive the three of us. Thank goodness the van had three seats up to Denmark, collect the car, and then back to England again. Oh lord! Some random up. Amazing man called Jules. Um, sent me a message. I'd met him in person, thankfully, about two months previously for about twenty minutes for a chat, um, like at an event. Um, said, "Yeah, I can do it." Anyway, and he absolutely saved us. He was our little angel that wow, came over and incredible. did it. But that wasn't that was an ordeal for about six months, and then that was the reason why I got a trade license, which now I don't need. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank, thanks, government. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for everything. You must have a, a, a very Something that stays out. You, of, 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 as far as road trips go, you've oh. you've done way more than Amy and I have. Yeah, I and it is difficult. I can also think... do all your all your classic grand touring stuff. That mm. you must have had some. We didn't actually have anything too disastrous with classic grand touring. Gumball had a good few, um, and I'm sure this is a story I think I've told, but I'll, I'll gloss over it again. Which was my first ever Gumball rally at the point where I was event coordinator for Gumball, um, and it was uh, Copenhagen to Monaco. 2013 that was my first the the first one that I'd actually was looking after and I remember having I think we must have had about 50 or 60 event staff in total that come on so throughout the rest of the year we had a really small team like 10 people in the office and then when the big event happens which is the big rally every year you get like somewhere between 50 and 70 members of staff and some of those will do the, the entire tour with you some will be local to different areas and will help out there um and others will work from London in, in the main office and like help with communications and stuff. And uh, it was on the second, either the second or the third day or night of the rally. And of course, me as the production crew and as the head of the production crew needed to kind of leapfrog. So I'd, I had my, me and my little team, we'd leapfrog the cities to make sure that we were there to set up a city then close down a city, then leapfrog the next city where another team would be looking after that. So the, the most important thing is getting me and my crew to the different event checkpoints. And we'd driven between, it must have been the first night because we'd driven from Copenhagen and um, where would we have gone? I'm trying to think. The bo- it was I was basically driving between Finland and Russia. My destination was St. Petersburg. And uh, that's right, we'd done a ferry to Turku in Finland, driven across Finland from one side to the other, got to our nighttime um, point, which was crossing the border between Finland and Russia to then get to St. Petersburg to set up the event or to close down the event. Can't remember which way around it was. But either way, it was imperative that we got there, imperative that me and my events team got to St. Petersburg. Everything was going swimmingly, brilliantly. We got to the border. 
just before midnight, uh, we had all of our paperwork, we had our Russian visas, we had to go to the Russian embassy in Notting Hill, all of this stuff had been done for weeks previously. And the people that had very, very kindly set up the arrangement of the cars that we were using, which I think from memory were Nissan Qashqai's, they were like owned by Nissan Europe. So they were all left-hand drive um, like press cars, I guess. Um, they hadn't done the paperwork for the cars to get into Russia. So you needed a, oh. a special visa, like a carnet, yeah. for the car to cross the border. So we're there at midnight, and I am knackered. It's, you know, I've been setting up this event for absolutely ages, been running the first two days of the event. I've got about seven days' worth of event planning and management to do and firefighting and all sorts of really terribly unexciting and sleep-depriving activities. And there I am at the Russian border with this sturdy man in a big hat going... No. You can all come in. You as people can come in, but the car can't because it doesn't have the right paperwork. And I had to, and I remember being there, I think it was about three o'clock in the morning that I made the decision, thanks to the blessing of my amazing event team that I had with me. And I said, look, I can get you all in a car. I can get you all in a taxi from here at the border. And it's this really brilliantly um, dramatic bit of land called No Man's Land between Finland and um, Russia yeah. with old communist era sniper towers, which obviously aren't used anymore, but they were very much there. And it just felt the most hostile place I'd ever been. Yeah. One toilet to this entire um, like place. And, and the border was like a tiny little, what we would call our national speed limit roads, a little 60 mile an hour single track road, a border guard, and then another road continuing into Russia. Yeah. So not exactly local town, you know. Uh, but we managed to get the guys uh, to uh, the, at border control to order a taxi. And I will never forget looking at my events team, who a lot of them, this was like their first events job. And I'm putting them into a taxi in Russia and watching them drive away. And whilst me and my friend Chris did a three-point turn, drove back to Helsinki to then catch a ferry to go down to Estonia because we couldn't take the car into Russia so therefore we were stuck we couldn't leave the car there um, that was a particularly low point <laughs> I think because of like the sleep deprivation um, and of course the, the just concern of like I was putting three three or four three must have been of my events team into this unknown taxi into Russia going St. Petersburg please <laughs> just be like oh god that's unreal and away they go so that was a particularly unpleasant um, what happened to the cars? Trip. You just have to leave them. Uh, no, no, we just bypassed Russia. Oh, I see. So, uh, yeah, the, there was no crew car. <laughs> Got to Russia, Russia turned left. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, went across. So I, my, I picked up the uh, I picked up the event in Estonia in Tallinn. Madness. Um, and went on from there. But yeah, Gumball threw up many, many, many a nightmare journey. Um, but that was just the all, and that was just part of it, really. If you have a terrible journey, please do tell us. Yeah, yeah. Tell us your worst journey. Um, I'd like Nothing to do too that. Somber. Actually. I'd like if some if people do have some like great cast yeah. stories. Yeah. I'd like to read them out on yeah. the yeah. on the podcast. That'd be good. We've done a couple before, and we we have had some brilliant. There are some amazingly talented writers that listen to us. So yeah, if, if you have a particularly bad journey, podcast at drivenchat.com. Anything you can throw in in addition, such as photographs, videos, that sort of thing, um, fire them over because we'll do an episode perhaps in September. Towards the end of September, we'll we'll do a little recap and read out some of your stories. So yeah, podcast at drivenchat dot com. Cool. We've been talking for a long time. We have, and I'm and I'm concerned that our dear listener is uh, probably had enough of us now. And I wonder if you've done this in one hit or in four, uh, as I often do with podcasts. Uh, so I will leave you with some call to actions, dear listener. 
The first one being, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, where, as mentioned in this episode, I have the Honda Civic Type R review. That's up live, ready to go. I've done two visits to the Alvis car company based in Kenworth. There is a video already live for you to go and see. That was uh, with a tour around their facility. Amazing place. Just go and have a look. It's just bonkers. These warehouses with 40,000 parts that were made in the 1920s are still being used on cars today. Very, very, very cool. Um, the Ducati Desert X video, if it's not up now, it'll be up any day now. Uh, that's with me going green laning on it. Um, and there's going to be loads more to come. So yeah, have a look as well as the uh, episode that's going to be next week, which is you and I, Miles, driving a hydrogen car for the first time ever. There's going to be a video on that as well as the podcast that's coming next week. And then don't forget to have a look at our social feeds at Driven Chat is where you can see pretty much everything. We shout about everything there. I love it when you get to the end of the podcast, you know you're about done. You just pick up the, the sheet that we go from and just drop let it, it on drop floor. on the floor That's next it. to you. Just... If I visually can't see it in front of me, then it's gone. <laughs> That's it. It's done. That's it. It's gone. It's dead to me. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. how casually you just fling it across the room, away. basically. It's gone. I do the same in a restaurant. Once I've ordered my food, I just throw the menu on the floor. No, I, don't, I don't need that. I can uh, see you doing that. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah so social feeds that's a big one if we do something and we want you to see it we talk about it on our social feed so make sure you're following us and the website as well everything we do we we feature it there on the website so if you want to have a if you've got a bit of time to kill if you want to have a little read of some automotive news stories if you want to see what we've been up to driven.site there you will see everything that we do all beautifully laid out by a team of And we've got our own people. little profiles as well now, so you can see... We do, oh, yeah. you can see us. See, us. see what, we, what we like, what we don't like. Yeah, or what we look like. <laughs> what we look like. <laughs> as we discovered as, recently... As people get so some disappointed. Some don't know what we look like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you... Yeah. Uh, oh, we thought you'd uh, be massive okay. and cool. <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, stick to the podcast. You're a lot more handsome in my head than you are in my head. <laughs> yeah. That was the nicest compliment I've ever had. You were more handsome in my head? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it in therapy after. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, they'll be here in a minute, yeah. Um, right, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, if you want to contact the show, podcast at drivenchat.com is the place to send us your emails or slip into our DMs. Uh, give us a little follow on social media. Amy Shaw Photography, despite confusingly now being named Amy Haynes, it is still Amy Shaw Photography. Hi. Miles Lacey and John Marker. Search for us on Instagram. You'll find us and see what we're up to day to day. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. The Driven Chat Podcast. Powered by Paramex Digital. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.